great. All right. This morning we're going to be in Isaiah 57. And as we told you earlier, this is Revival Week. And lots of times we start Revival on Sunday and go through Wednesday. That's usually the way we do it. But uh, Dr. Deal is coming down for uh, the district primetime retreat, which starts tomorrow evening. And uh, because he's coming for that, and he'll run, he'll preach Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for that, and then he'll come here Wednesday night and start. So he's got a full week. And uh, if he, because he came like that, we got to split the airfare with the district, so it was a little cheaper for us to get him here. But if you're not acquainted with Dr. Deal, I don't know how old he is, but he's getting up there. He doesn't act like he's old, but he he's getting up there. And we had him two or three years ago, and uh, everybody just loved him. And he is, I'm, and don't tell him I said this, but he's getting to the age where I don't know how many more years he's going to be traveling. Uh, his wife is not in as good a shape as she used to be, and I think he's cutting back on his dates. And so we tried to get him, we want to get him as many more times as we can before he doesn't travel anymore. So this may be his last trip here. And uh, I don't know. Joe, do you remember when you were young, him preaching at Highway? I was young back then. And I can remember he was the district superintendent in Nebraska at that time. And I don't remember just gobs of evangelists, but I remember Dr. Deal. And obviously, I listened more than Joe did, because uh, so, I, I remember him distinctly. Now, but I do remember Dr. Deal coming. So he, he's been preaching into my life for 30-some years now, and I had the privilege of, uh, of hearing him at some general assemblies and preaching at many district events. And uh, he is just called upon all the time. Uh, he is a great, great man of God. Uh, a few years ago, uh, Mid-American Nazarene University was kind of placed in crisis. There was lots of, uh, there were some financial decisions that were made that were not good. Uh, things weren't looking good at all. And uh, the president uh, that they had was no longer with them. They were in the process of uh, getting a new president. And I think, I don't know if all my kids were up there, but several of them were. And kind of the whole atmosphere of the school was just kind of had a, a cloud over it. And uh, you have to understand that Dr. Deal was not a young man at all. And he was no longer a general superintendent. He was a retired general superintendent. And they called Dr. Deal to come in and be the interim president to carry them through probably the roughest days of Mid-American Nazarene University's life. And my kids said as soon as he came on campus that the whole attitude of the campus changed. And said he was out among the kids. Stephanie remember that. It was just different. And she and the kids said he came and the first week he was there he preached a revival. 
And they said that the whole attitude of the faculty, of the kids, he said it was like a dark cloud just lifted. And those were some really, really trying days as they got through that. And then they brought in uh, the president that they have now, Dr. Spittle, and he has been just a great blessing. But if you talk to people who were in the know, and I don't know very many of those people, but there are some people that I know up at Olathe, and they said they don't believe that the college would have made it if it wasn't for the work that Dr. Deal did during that time while they were trying to find the next president. And I know that my kids just enjoy him. So if you think, you know, it's kind of an old guy and it's going to, he's not that way. He's very uh, relative to the day. He is a tremendous, he's my favorite preacher. I think he's one of the greatest Nazarene preachers that will probably ever be. And, uh, I want you to try to uh, set in your mind, I know you got lots of things going this week, and I know that when you don't have things going, you're like me, and you want to stay at home. But I'm going to ask you to try to set aside some time this week and come and enjoy Dr. Deal uh, this week. All right, let's all stand as we go to the Word this morning. We're going to be in Isaiah 57, verses 14 and 15. If you were in Sunday school this morning, we talked about Psalms and the importance of Psalms. 119 Psalms is a huge, long Psalm, and it pretty much exclusively talks about the importance of the Word. A whole Psalm that talks about the importance of the Word, and this is part of it. And let's read this together. I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that came from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Anything that you want to know about, you can find it in God's word. And so this week, I knew we were going into revival, and I wanted to preach about something that would uh, uh, talk about revival. And in these words in Isaiah, it talks about that we indeed can be revived, but it also talks about in what situations and what things can we do to bring about that in our heart. And so let's read 57 verses 14 through 15. And it will be said, build up, build up, prepare the road, remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. For this is what the high and lofty one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of of the contrite. Let's pl- let's pray. Father, speak to us today. Father, I pray that your word would challenge us today. Father, I know that we have lots of things that pull on us in life. But Father, this week, Father, I pray right now that you would help us to see that there are some important things that might want to happen this week in our lives. And I pray that you would just come and speak to us this morning and challenge our hearts. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I was thinking about what it meant to revive. And I, I'm obviously getting old 
when I remember old television shows, and I was in Sheila's the other day, and they play a lot of TV land in Sheila's. And on the show that they were playing the other day was a show called Emergency. How many of you remember Emergency? And at the time, man, that thing was cutting edge. And all the things that they had were new, and and, and the trucks were really neat. But now when you watch it, it's just a bunch of old Dodge pickups, and you're like, what was so great about that? But one of the neat things that I remember, and, and I can remember as a kid, I had never seen this before, but they used to do it about every other episode because I think it was really popular. But people's heart would stop, and they would take one of those shocker machines, and they would always have the, they'd get those two paddles, and they'd put something on that thing, and they'd go, and they'd rub them paddles together, and then they'd go clear, and they'd whack that guy, and he'd just, you know. And I can remember as a little kid, we'd get together and somebody would die, you know, in our, in our, in our, little, in our little group. And we'd have two wooden spoons or something together and we'd, and we'd whack them with that and they'd, and they'd come back to life, you know. They would revive. The heart would stop. But then they could be revived. And, and it's interesting to me that a heart that has quit beating can be revived. It's kind of astounding to me that that can happen. We used to have a German couple that uh, went to church here. They lived down at Seymour, and, and they came to our church for many, many years. And then it got, they, as they got older, it was just too far for them to drive. And, and so they started going down to the Church of the Nazarene in Seymour. Just super, super people. And the older guy, I don't know how old he was, but he was at least in his late 70s or early 80s. And he had to have a new valve put in his heart. And I hadn't been a pastor for very many years, and, and I remember going up to the hospital with them, and we got there really, really early in the morning, and they said, this is going to take the whole day. And we got up there real early in the morning, and, and we were sitting in the waiting room, and I sat there with his wife, and, and we were there, and, and I remember when the, the, they would give us, you know, like every hour or so, they would come out and give us a report. And they came out and they said, we've got him on the machine now. And I said, well, what does that mean? And they said, well, we've unhooked his heart and his machine is doing all the beating and everything now. And now they're in that heart, his heart, and they're putting that valve in there. Now, I don't know about you, but I think it's interesting that this guy's heart had been beating for 80 some years and never stopped. And they stopped it, put him on a machine, and his heart's not beating anymore, and they start working on it. And then they said, said, we're just about ready to start his heart up again. You don't want to hear that ever in your life. But I remember thinking about that for however long it took him to put that valve in there. His old heart wasn't beating anymore. His heart that had beat and run him and made him live and kept him alive for nearly 80 years for an hour or so there wasn't doing nothing. They were working on it and fixing it. And it just in my mind, I was like, man, I hope that thing starts. I hope they can get that thing going again. Because, I mean, sometimes things don't start very good. I mean, I've had cars and, and sometimes they just don't start. And if you've ever had a boat, they don't always start. And if you got a lawnmower, they don't always start. And I think, and I, I remember sitting there in that waiting room. I was like, oh, God, help his heart to start. And I said, how do you get that thing to start again? And he goes, oh, we just hit it with the electric. And boy, it'll just, 
and start beating. And so I remember we were sitting in there and it came to it and sure enough it came time. It's like a twelve it was like a twelve hour surgery. They probably do it through the drive through now. Everything's changed, but but it was like a twelve hour surgery and I can remember them saying we put the little pad and they had little paddles that they would just set on the sides of it and and said they hit it said they hit it twice. They had to hit it twice. Can you imagine being the surgeon and hit that thing the first time and it don't take off? I'd be like, oh boy. They hit it twice and it revived it. And it started pumping. And it worked great. Everything worked great. And so they revived it and brought it back to life. And, and apparently they didn't think that it was too hard to do, but they just push power. They have to have an outside source of power. And they get it started and it came back and it started working again. And sometimes in our lives... We need to have spiritual revival. And that's why for years in the Church of the Nazarene, from time to time, we take time off and we set aside a a period of time. We we say, in these few days here, we're going to stop and and let the Lord revive us. And you see, I, I think it's always good, and I know that you'll all agree, and you don't need to say amen or anything. But I was telling Eldon Moore this morning, I said, it's it's nice to hear someone else preach other than myself. Don't say amen, you'll hurt my feelings. But it's nice sometimes to hear what someone else has to say. To hear what God would say through someone else. I can hardly wait to hear Dr. Deal this week. And, and we in our lives take out time, we find time to revive ourselves. Many of you this summer took vacation a time to rest and kind of revive and get your batteries charged up again. And, and, the, and it's because this everyday life, if you go to work every day and you have kids and you have all these things, these starting things start pulling on you and they, and they pull you down and at times you need to be revived. And, and when you do this, when you say, okay, I'm going to take a vacation, then you make time. You make time. You say, on these days, we're going to be gone. And, and, and you plan, and, and there's some effort to it. In, in, in the time of being renewed, you have to, to say, I'm going to take time, and I'm going to be renewed at this time. And many of you get on the Internet, and you make reservations, or you'll look and see, and you'll book airplanes or things like that. Phyllis Cottle sets and waits to the very second that it is possible for her to get the same campsites every year. She, don't you? you, you she, she watches the clock and there's a time when these campsites can be reserved and she, at that moment you do it, don't you? For years she's done that. People all across America hate her because she always gets the best campsites on that weekend. But that's what she does. And in her mind, she she says, okay, at this time, on this day, I'm going to set aside and I'm going to do this. She makes the effort to do it. And we all do these things. Because if you don't make the effort, if Phyllis doesn't get up or do whatever, if she doesn't make the effort, you're not going to get those campsites, are you? They're gone. If you don't do it, it's not going to happen. And I just want you to know that if you don't, in your mind, set aside and, and make time for spiritual revival, it will not happen on its own. You have to be purposeful about it. You have to plot out time for renewal. And in your Christian walk, you have to do this. And there's times that you need to refocus. 
There's times when you need to be brought back, when you need to hear and, 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 and hear God in a fresh new way. And if you don't take off time for work, and if you don't take off time uh, to, to renew your body physically, it doesn't happen. If you don't do that spiritually, it doesn't happen either. And when we do our, for our vacation, we pack and we plan and we reschedule things and, and we say, okay, on this time we're going to do this and, and nothing else fits in there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on vacation. I'm going to renew for this time. And folks, I think it would be important for us to this week say, and I know that there's some nights that you have things that you cannot reschedule, and I understand that. But for those nights when you could be there, you need to plan to be here. You need to say, okay, I'm going to set time. And as important as it is to have physical renewal, I believe it's even more important to have spiritual renewal from time to time. And, and, it's, and we have to. We have to make time to do it. And the truth is, we do whatever we want to anyway. You'll do whatever you really want to do. This past week, as a rule, I try to have my sermons done by noon on Thursday. I try to have every. I, have to, I try to have my Sunday morning, my Sunday night sermon done by noon on Thursday. That way, I can go into. I usually take Friday off, and I can kind of go into the weekend, and I don't have that over my head and weighing on me. Well, I walked into the house at five thirty on Thursday night. I got done with all the things I had to do on Thursday. And I told Cindy, I said, I'm going to take a shower and I'm going to start working on my sermon because I had nothing written down by then, just the way the week went. And right before I walked in, Cindy goes, Cindy had got a call from Lacey and Lacey was coming down that night and she said, won't you come up and eat with us at Springfield? Well, I needed to do my sermon work. But what did I really want to do? I want to go eat out with the kids and, and have fun with my grandkids and, and my daughter. And, and unfortunately, her husband was there, but the rest of them I love, you know, and it was fun. And so what I needed to do was work on my sermon. But what I made time to do for and what I carved out some time to do for was go do what I really wanted to do. And I went up there and we had a wonderful time with the kids and and, the, and their, their parents and we came home that evening had a great time at home and, and I said tomorrow morning I'm going to get up really early on Friday I'm going to get up early because I work really good early in the morning I'm going to get up really early and I'm going to knock my sermon out because I knew kind of where I was going I'm going to knock it out early in the morning well Josh was there and Cindy, Lacey's husband and, and uh, he hardly ever gets to do anything fun he goes why don't we go why don't we go take Roy and go squirrel hunting in the morning? I really have to get, I've got to get this sermon done, you know. I've got, I've got this sermon to get done. And, and so I walked out to the shop for something, and as I walked by the dog pen, Roy goes, Master? <laughs> it's been really cool outside, and we should go hunting with Josh tomorrow morning. I said, you're really good at talking, aren't you, Roy? He said, yes, I am. So, needless to say, what did I do Saturday, Friday morning? I 
I really wanted to do that. You know what? I, I made time for the things I really wanted to do. And so after we got back, I worked real hard and, and uh, I got my sermon done, worked and, and, and into the afternoon and got it done. And then I just had my Sunday morning sermon. That's all I had left to do. Because I, I put everything off. You know why? Because I'd done the things I really wanted to do. And so I thought, I'm going to get up real early on Saturday morning, and I'm going to knock this thing out and be done with it. And then my friend Kale calls. <laughs> Kale's out there going, Hey, Jake's wanting to go squirrel hunting on Saturday morning early. And I said, oh, yeah, I, got, I got some things. I got, I'll have to see what's going on, you know. Went out and walked by the dog pen. Roy goes, Master? <laughs> You know what I did Saturday morning? I went squirrel hunting. You know why? Because that's what I wanted to do. You do what you really want to do. And so I spent the rest of the day on Saturday working on my sermon. But I made time in there, and you're all, and I know you're all the same. You make time for the things that you really want to do. And what I want to ask you this morning, do you really want to make time to be in a time of revival with your Lord? If I want to be spiritually revived, if that's what I really want, I will make time to do it. And so we've set a time as a church alongside, we've set a time for Wednesday through uh, Sunday this week, starting at 6.30, we've set aside some time. We've carved out some time in the church schedule and said, this is what we're going to do this week. So I wanted to ask myself, then, if I set this time aside, then, then who does God revive? And in this scripture here, in this last, in this verse 15, it says, who God revives. And the word says that you have to be spiritually ready. And it says that he revives, I revive the spirit of the lowly. And to revive the heart of the contrite. He tells two people, if I, if I want to have revival, if I really want to have it, I've got to set some time aside for that to happen. But then I have to be ready in my heart for that to happen. So what is, we've set this aside, aside the time. But what does that look like in myself? So first of all, in my heart, I have to be lowly. You say, what does lowly mean? It means not being proud. Sometimes I think we walk through life and we think, I am doing so good in my spiritual walk, I just can't see how things could get better. And there are some times when, when everything is going well and, and, and you feel like you're very close to God. And I've had those times when I think, you know, I am, God is really being really real to me. But I want to tell you, there is no time where you can't use some more God. And in order for God to bring any revival into your heart, you're going to have to get to the place where you say, you know, I want more of God. And not only do I want more of God, but I need more of God. And no matter where you are in your relationship, no matter how close you are to God, you always need more of him. And you have to come to that place where you've never, we never say, you know, I've just got enough. There's really nothing else that God can show me. There's really nothing else that God can do in my life. There's really nothing else that I need to know. The only people that God can revive are those who say, Oh God, 
I need more of you. I, I feel like I, you may feel like you're exactly where you need to be and you may be exactly where you need to be, but you may, you will always need more of God. And so we have to come to God with that attitude. And so as you come this week, don't come think, thinking, well, you know, I'm sure I'll never hear, I'm not going to hear anything that I haven't heard before. Come with the heart to say, God, whatever you want to tell me this week, I want to hear. Whatever you have to speak into my life, I want to hear. You can always stand to have a little more of God. Sometimes we have all of God that we want, and we don't want any more. Don't be that way. Always be lowly and always want more than, than you have. And you said, we need to always be in the attitude, I'm, I need a fresh touch from you. God, fill me up. God, show me something new. Now, there may be some of you that are in a really, really good place with the Lord. I'm going to tell you, you need more God. But there are some of you who are probably going through some hard times in your life. And you've come to church this morning, you come every week, and you've got a smile on your face, and nobody knows what's going on. But if you were dead honest, you'd say, I need a fresh touch from God. Come like that this week. Come and just let God fill you up. Let him have his way. The second person that God revives is one with a contrite heart. I got on the Google and tried to figure out what contrite means. And it says, being remorseful for past sin and resolved to avoid future sin. So contrite is a repentant person. You hate sin so much that you've committed that you will do everything you can to avoid sin. And so we have to come to God and say, I, I'm so thankful that you've forgiven me for all the sin that I have. And I hate the sin that I've had. But Father, I hate sin so much, I don't want to be any part of it. And we have to come to God with this contrite heart. If you want true revival, you have to come to God saying, I don't want to do anything that would, that would embarrass you or, or be... Uh, wrong or, or anything like that. And we have, to, we have to come and say, I want to avoid sin no matter what. Not being contrite is like being saying, I want to be married, but I want to have a girlfriend too. We can, we can say, I don't want sin in my life, but I still have some little things that I like to do. That's not contrite. Contrite is, I hate the sin I've committed, and I don't want to commit sin anymore. And in order for real revival to happen, we have to have this spirit of lowliness and contriteness. Most people try to get as close to sin as they can. And then they wonder why they don't hear from God. And they wonder why they have problems with sin in their life. The contrite heart stays as far away from sin as it can. We have to have the heart that says, I hate sin. I don't even want to be close to it. I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to stay as far away from sin as I can. I want to ask you, are you in a place to where revival could happen in your heart? Have you set aside some time in your mind? I hope that already you're saying, okay, I hope the Holy Spirit, it's not me. I'm not trying to guilt you to anything, but if that works, then so be it. But I'm not trying to do that. But I hope that the Holy Spirit is saying, okay, this is a night that I want you to come. I want you to have a lowly heart and a contrite heart. And then if you go back to verse 14, it says, Remove obstacles out of the way of my people. I want you to remove any obstacle that would keep you from having revival in your heart. You need to remove things that would keep you from being at revival this week. Take down anything and set aside anything that would keep you away 
You may say, I'm tired. Pray that the Lord would give you strength. I'm busy. Pray that the Lord would rearrange your schedule. I've got lots of things going on this week. I know that you do. But revival comes to those who set aside time for it to happen. Several years ago, we had a revival service at Highway Church of the Nazarene. I was working for Mid-America Dairyman. And I would get up really early and I would work at Four Star Building Center from 7.30 till whenever I had to leave to get from Seymour to Springfield to work second shift at Mid-America Dairyman. So I was working a lot of hours, and I was tired all the time. I was always tired. And then Cindy said, uh, no, I had just got fired. We just got fired for Mid-America Dairyman because they closed down the butter line. And so I just lost that job. So I was working full-time then at, uh, at Seymour. And I was working from 7.30 to 5 every night, or 5.30 every night. And we had kids, and they were little, and you know how it is. We had four of them. Why? I don't know, but we had four. And you know how it is getting them ready. I know how it is. I mean, when you say you have kids, I, I man, I've lived it, okay? And we had revival that week. And because I wasn't working at Mid-Am anymore, I hadn't been able to go to revival because I had worked. I'd always worked. But now I had that second shift open. And, and I'm telling you, my life was a disaster. I had, that Mid-Am job was a good job. And I was making pretty good money. And I had two jobs. And, and we went from making pretty good money with a lot of overtime to making not very good money at all. And my life was just, I was just broken. You want to talk about contrite and broken and lowly? I was just, I was at a low spot in my life, wondering how am I going to make it? How am I going to provide for my family? And everything was just, seemed like it was falling apart. The thing that I, I mean, I held on to that, you know, I mean, you know how it is. You got a job, a good job, and you hold on to it. And then when it's gone, you're like, there'll never be another one, you know? And that's where I was. And I remember I got home from work and Cindy said, well, we're going to revival. And I was like, okay, whatever. You know, I was just, I didn't want to go. And the kids were all being, especially Lindsay, was just being terrible. And they sat with us. You know, that's back when kids used to sit in church. And they were sitting there. And I don't remember what the preacher preached on that night. I have no idea what he preached on. But when it came time for the altar call, I remember distinctly putting my hands on the back of that pew and just my knuckles were just white. And the Lord said, tell the church that you've been called to preach tonight. Tonight. That changed the whole course of my life. Because I was in a revival service that night. It changed the whole course of my life. I, I, I've often wondered, what if I decided I didn't want to go that night? Could God have called me another time? Sure. But I don't, I don't know. I think God sometimes has moments when you either say yes or no, and then maybe that may be the only time you have. I don't know. 
But I've often wondered what would have happened if we'd have just stayed home and ate pork chops and watched TV that night. But I'm going to tell you, I went to a revival service and I don't remember anything that was said, but it changed the course of my life. I might have never been your pastor if I hadn't. I'm so glad. I know, I know some of you because of that one night at church and revival. I don't know what God wants to do, but I know that one night of revival changed everything for me. It changed my kids' life. It changed everything. The kids, we all moved up here together. and It changed everything. Revival's important. And we carved out a little time, and I was broken and lowly. And God came and spoke to me like he had never spoken my whole life and changed everything. And my life's never been the same since that night. I want you to just go home this week and just pray about when you think you could carve out an evening or carve out several evenings and just come and let God Almighty come and speak into your life. What do you have going that would be more important than that? I'm not saying that there's not important things and I know that you can't do it. I know that there's work and I know there's games and I understand. I understand. But when you can be here, there's nothing that you could do that would be more important than carving out a little bit of time and just sitting and saying, God, speak into my life. Will you do that for me this week? I want us to stand. We're going to talk a little bit more about what this looks like tonight. I just want you to be in prayer. On the nights that you can't be here, I understand you've got things going. But on the nights that you can't be here, be praying for us. You never can tell. You never can tell. If you'd ask... Uh, Brother Mike Quarrel, if anybody was going to get called to preach that night, he went, Thursday night of revival. Nothing happens on Thursday night of revival or whatever night it was. He was just hoping somebody would show up. He's like me. I'm just hoping somebody would show up, you know, because you have somebody in. You just want somebody to be there. He was like, man, I'm just glad there's somebody here tonight. He never thought, I guarantee you, if you said, you think Brian will get called to preach tonight? He's an idiot. He'll never, he'll never get called to preach. Surely God's smarter than that. It changed everything. It changed everything. It may be that your little kid needs to be here this week. It may be that God wants to speak to you this week and change everything. Or maybe just revive you where you're at. Maybe you're in a low, low spot and God would come and speak and revive your heart this week. Let God do that. I want us to pray, and then we'll read the prayer of Jabez together, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word today. Your word says that you revive those who have a lowly heart and have a contrite heart. And so, Father, help us today to stand before you with Judgment Day honesty and say, God, I need more of you. I just need more of you. And, Father, I'm going to set aside some time this week to just hear from you. And Father, I pray right now that you would help parents to be able to get their kids ready. I pray that you would loosen up schedules to where people could come. 
I pray that you would prepare our hearts today. Help us to be thinking about how could I get to a place where I could allow you to revive my heart. And Father, we pray for these things tonight, today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read together. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil. Amen. The Lord bless you. You are dismissed. Thank you.